Hello, and welcome to G Talking All That Jazz. This podcast is really the testimony of a friendship that spans over four decades, a friendship between two Black professionals that began in Harlem, New York in the mid-1970s. As young men, both learning from each other on how to navigate the sometimes formidable and unapologetic streets of Harlem, New York, both here and now, still standing with the wealth of transferable knowledge. As you join G and Jazz on their journey of reflection, listen. Listen closely for the true messages about friendship, morality, and brotherly love, because their trials and tribulations come at a cost. G and Jazz will share their thoughts and opinions on a variety of topics, from love and relationships to family and politics, and of course, friendship. Again, welcome to G Talking All That Jazz. Enjoy the journey. Oh, and buckle up. So, Jazz, what's up? What's up? What's up? Listen, man, the same thing as yesterday, man. I'm trying to take over the world, my friend. I'm trying to take over the world. What's Every going day, on, man. man. Everything's good with you, bro. Everything's good, man. Just uh, keeping my eyes focused, man, on the prize, man. We get, we get, we get ready going to a new administration in 2021 man with Amen. just so much opportunity man so much um uh um, purpose man it just feels good man to have endured you know an, an oppressive administration for lack of Absolutely, a better word man. and from yeah. a from a brother from Harlem, new york i want to thank you georgians down there for holding us down in this boat man <laughs> yo georgia y'all really came through for us you know <laughs> campaign man we was like George, all right so listen we really got to shout out stacy abrams man you oh, got yes. what she stacey did abrams. what she did was phenomenal just yes, think about it one person eight hundred thousand one person man so i talked to my students about political efficacy how one person can make a difference yes sir and you have to find what your efficacy is she found her FSC, man. She registered 800,000 voters and, and flipped an entire state that was Republican to Democrat since 1992. That's amazing, man. That's Come amazing. on, man. Come on, man. I'm so proud of her, man. We up here, we, we screaming her name up here too, bro. Trust me when I tell you. No we proud of her when she did. We proud of all of the, you know, black and white, mm-hmm. people of color, all mm-hmm. of them, because it took a whole state to make it happen, to turn mm-hmm. from red to blue. Mm-hmm. And uh, we are so happy and we are so proud, man, that we don't have to have to, another four years of that kind of administration. Right. But we got a new administration coming in 2021. So much possibility, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. man, listen, um, we got a new, we got a, we're gonna be doing this new podcast and I wanna introduce to everybody, Mr. Dr. Vincent Wolford, who completed his undergraduate studies at Baylor University and obtained a master's in public health from Morehouse School of Medicine with a specialty in health education and health promotion. He pursued and completed his doctoral training in counseling psychology from Howard University and completed his clinical internship with the University of Houston Counseling Center. From there, he completed a postdoctoral trauma fellowship at the Michael E. DeBakey VA Medical Center. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, please welcome Mr. I'm sorry, Dr. Vincent Walford 
to our show. Put Thank some respect so on that check, G. Put some respect on that check. Thank you, Gary. Thank you, Gary. Thank you. Thank you. And the crowd goes wild. <laughs> you usually have some crowd music piped in for you, Doc. You know, but you know, Jack, you come on, man. Give some crowd noise, man. <laughs> Well, you know, well, you know, I, I will say this. I felt like the guest pastor at a church when they read their bio, I was like, <laughs> that's me. That's and me. I go up there with my Bible and say, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. But you know what? But you know what? Before we get started, um, Jazz, you got to give the disclaimer, man. Oh, my God. Bong, 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 bong. Public oh. service announcement. All the stories you're about to hear are true. The name, dates, and events will not be changed. Not be changed. If by way we drop your name in a story and it causes a divorce, a breakup, somehow you lose all of your worldly Mm -hmm. possessions, we are sorry, but we are Beyonce sorry. Sorry, <laughs> not sorry. <laughs> well, we just now did our disclaimer. So, um, so Jazz, let's talk about the topics um, for today, man. All right, man. So we are taking a shift um, in um, a subject matter. So we try to cover a subject matter that will um, add value to our listeners. And we we done series on women's health. We talked about relationships. And so now we're gonna take a, 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 a men's health, a men's mental health approach. And we're gonna talk about a very serious topic that is a very taboo topic. It's something yeah. that is not really talked about. Um, it's something that um, we should talk about. And hopefully after this podcast, it will, it will begin that dialogue, especially in relationships, all types of relationships, whatever your preference is, whatever your gender is, whatever your orientation is. So let me give you some explosive statistics. Yeah, One out of every six boys is sexually assaulted by the age of 16. And that rate is dramatically higher in black communities. Right, and in areas where there's systemic poverty, there's broken homes, there's unemployment, and where there's psychological problems. So our community have an issue with sexual assault, especially of boys before the age of 16. So we have Dr. Walford here, who is a, a clinical psychologist and who focuses around sexual trauma. So we wanna try to tease out some some important points so that we can educate our listeners. So Vince, the first thing I I would like to talk about is when we talk about uh, sexual assault or sexual trauma, could you define, can you kind of define that? Yeah, so, So before uh, before I get started, I just want to say um, one thing uh, about what how I got into this work. So um, for me, I was doing a externship at um, the DC court in DC and uh, was enjoying it. Um, was working with a young man who had a, a history of um, 
sexual abuse, sexual assault, those type of things. And so I went to look for research around, you know, how to better help and support this individual and found that there was very limited research out there. And so um, part of being a scholar, part of being at Howard, part of my profession is to try to fill in those gaps for marginalized communities. And so that's one of the reasons that led me into the research of uh, uh, sexual assault and black men and help seeking behavior and those type of things. So just kind of want to just kind of <clears throat> set the stage of kind of yeah. why I got into that. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, sexual assault, um, by definition, is mainly, um, uh, it can be, a, it's a huge, broad, broad uh, gamut of things. It can be uh, penetrative sex, it can be um, oral sex, it could be uh, anything that's um, sexual in nature that's unwanted. And so um, that could be anything as far as, you know, every time I come to work, I have a coworker that's making um, sexual suggestions to me that can be considered sexual assault. So, um, so those are the, that's the definition are kind of like the loose definition of sexual assault. Okay. So when it comes to, to uh, historically, when it comes to um, black and brown people and specifically mm -hmm. um, African-Americans in the United States, what mm -hmm. impact did um, slavery have on on um, this, this uh, I, don't, I don't know if I'm saying it correctly, this rape culture, does that tie into sexual assault or that's something separate and independent? <clears throat> well, it can, it can definitely be all the above, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I would say more so of the, the trauma of it all, right? Okay. So with slavery, there's a lot of trauma, right? And this is, specific, this is a specific area within the umbrella of trauma, sexual assault. So, mm -hmm. um, so I read an article, right, when I was doing my dissertation work that really shocked me about slavery. So one, we know we knew that a lot of black women are, uh, are black women were being uh, raped, you know, mothers, daughters, whatever. But there was also black men that were being raped um, by the, the slave owners and um, or being forced um, by the wife or daughter of the slave owners to have uh, forced sex. Right. Um, also, a lot of uh, the men that they used to call bulls, um, they were, you know, bigger in frame, very um, athletic, you know, could do a lot of work, were being forced to have sex with, you know, five and six women at a time so they could reproduce and the slave owners could have these huge children, right? So that's part of the, the, the rape culture in, in slavery. And also, you had... Um, parts of the, of, of the slave trade that was spe specifically just for sex, where these slave owners would try to find these young boys, particularly a lot of mulatto looking boys, and would just have, have them as almost sex, sex, sex slaves. And so all that is within the culture of um, slavery, trauma, sexual trauma, sexual assault. So, um, doctor, um... Does sexual assault shape our sexuality? I mean, so a young boy, he gets, you know, sexually traumatized by an adult or maybe his peer or family member. Will that shape his, you know, who he is as a man as he grows up, you know? Yeah, so that is, um, that's a great question. And so what I've, what, what, what a lot of the research talks about is that 
a lot of in young boys who get exposed to sex early are very confused, right? You know, it's almost better for 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 people to be uh, exposed to violence um, more than sex. And the reason why I say that is because with violence, you know how that feels. You know how that's supposed to feel. If you see Bugs Bunny and Tweety Bird fighting and hitting, you done been hit before and you, you done fought somebody before probably. So you kind of understand what that experience is. But sex is something that's totally different. If you don't, if you're not taught what sex is, the emotions and all that stuff, that can be very uh, confusing for anybody. So for young boys um, who are exposed to sex and in a way that they're not ready uh, for that exposure, it can, uh, it can shape who they are as a man. That can be, um, they can go a lot of different directions with that, right? One direction is become overly masculine, right? And say, you know what? I had this experience and in order for me to relive that experience, I want to have sex with a whole bunch of women. No emotions, no feelings, just have sex, 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 right? Then you have some people who say, well, I don't know if I, I didn't like it, but I either ejaculated or had an orgasm to that. And now all of a sudden, I feel like this is the best way for me to have sex, but I don't know if this is right or wrong. So there's a, a lot of confusion around that especially with the exposure of sex to, to young boys. Do you think that based on the, the exposure or the violation, do you, do, in your research, do you find that once a, um, that sexual assault happens, that that indiv individual maybe questions or try to grapple with if he's gay or not gay? So, I, so in my research, I did a qualitative study, right? And so as we know, um, qualitative studies can't be um, uh, generalized to populations, uh, massive populations, because the population sample is usually small. So I only had like 15 people in my study. But what I will say is that even in that small 15, uh, uh, 15 people uh, participants, each one of them have had questions about their sexuality and what that was like. Now, what I don't want to do is correlate that every person who identifies as a same gender loving male or same gender loving female or bisexual or where they are on the spectrum of the LGBTQ AI spectrum. I don't wanna say that every one of those individuals has experienced a sexual assault because that's not, we all know that's not true. Um, but for some individuals, um, there's no true research that connects that, but it, 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 is, it is good for, it would be a good study in the future to see well, of some of these individuals who have had like a sexual assault experience with a, a same gender, what did what kind of, what long term effects does that do on somebody else's per, uh, sexuality? But again, those are research studies and research topics that have not been looked at, um, especially in the black uh, the African American community. So, why do you think there's not a lot of research, knowing that this this problem exists? Well, I think it's it, like you said earlier, this is a very taboo sub subject, a taboo topic. And if you look at the word masculinity, and I, I and, and let me say this, I don't think there's any wrong, I don't think there's anything wrong with being masculine because everybody's view of masculinity is totally, totally different. So when I hear people say, oh, that's toxic masculinity. Well, how are you defining masculinity? You know, and so let me, I, I just want to put that out there. But because, um, there's this, this view that all men are masculine in a way that we can't be violated. 
that is what is causing a lot of individuals to see that a lot of individuals to not take the rape culture in uh, men seriously. And so, and it's, it's unfortunate because as we, as you said, one in six individuals, uh, one in six uh, boys before the age of 16 will experience some type of sexual abuse or assault. But those numbers are probably actually higher because most, uh, a lot of men, majority of men don't report what they're, that they have experienced any type of sexual assault. And I'm, I'm gonna say this, um, I, I didn't think I was gonna mention it, but I'm one of those guys at seven years old, I was, um, I was sexually assaulted. Um, I was fondled at, at seven years old and um, it was my next door neighbor. Um, he was supposed to be looking out for us and watching over us and, um, and I didn't know what was yeah. going on. I was seven, eight years old. And um, he, he, you know, reached into my pants and began to fondle me. And I don't know what would have happened because this guy must have been like 16, 17 years old. And my father came home. My dad came home unexpectedly. And, um, and I remember him, my dad opening the door like, hey, what's going on guys? Da, da, da. And he, he was kind of playing it off. Like if he was like fixing my zipper, like my zipper had broke and da, da, da. And honestly, I never told my dad. Yeah. And I have a great relationship with my dad. I yeah. have a great relationship with my mom. And um, I never told. And it wasn't until, and, and I guess I must have blocked it out of my head because when I was about 22, 23 years old, um, something happened and my mom got wind of it. And I don't want to tell that part of the story because mm -hmm. the person that you know did it should be telling that part. Mm -hmm. But my mom came to me and she said, hey, you know, did this happen to you? And I was like, mom, what are you talking about? Like, what are you talking about? And she was started giving me details. And all of a sudden, it came back. And I was like, yeah, ma, this actually happened to me. And um, I, I don't know if it impacted me because I, you know, I never had a question about my sexuality. Yeah. I never had anything like that. But I, I, I kind of was a woman chaser after, you yeah, know, yeah. you know, I kind of like, and I, you know, so I don't know, it, you know, hearing you talk about it now, yeah. Yeah. maybe that's probably my, why my behavior was the way it was coming up. You know, yeah. thirteen on up, man. But I'm one of those those kids that never reported it. Yeah. You know, this yeah. guy was my next door neighbor, and you know, my mom and everybody trusted him. Yeah. You know, was, yeah. you know, and I don't know. It, I, just, it, I just thought I should share that. Well, and I and I appreciate you sharing that because I think more. Linwood was at my dissertation uh, defense, and um, and one of the questions that they asked me was, well, if you could do it all over again would you do qualitative research or quantitative research? And I said, you know, as, as easy as it would have been to do quantitative research, I love qualitative because of what you just said. It's the narrative and the story. You, Gary, are no different from a lot of the other young Black men who grew up in, in, in a very trusting, comforting neighborhood who was violated by somebody who everybody trusted. Mm -hmm. And I feel like your story is... It needs to be heard just like the 15 individuals that I, I, I worked with and the thousands and thousands of other young boys who have experienced that same that same trauma. And 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 like any trauma, you know, all three of us can be in a car wreck and all three of us will experience that car wreck differently. Mm -hmm. You know, I may, you know, suffer a lot of, you know, bad nightmares. You know, Gary, you may say, uh, you know, I had that for a couple months. And then, you know, Lynn would say, you know, it didn't even phase me. So trauma 
is all different for everybody. And so even with sexual assault, I mean, like you said, your reaction to it, you know, I just blocked it out. Many individuals have done that. Many people mm-hmm. will say, you know what? I watched the movie and all of a sudden all these flashbacks just started coming back. You know, somebody said something about a name that I knew I had pushed in the back, you know, and all of a sudden all those memories started flushing back. And so those, when I work with uh, men and we start to talk about their trauma, a lot of times that's the same experience that they have. So I do want to say, I, I'm, I'm, I speak for Linwood on this one too. Definitely do appreciate that, you know, your story. And, and that, that took courage, bro. That took a lot yeah. of courage, man. Crash. So what role? So so that makes me think about um, the stigma that may be attached. I think that that's that is that is definitely a barrier for um, um, those who have been violated to disclose such a such a violation is because there's a, there's stigma attached to it. Yeah. So yeah. can you talk a little bit about the stigma that goes along with this? Yeah. You know, again, a lot of the stigma is around. I feel like around men is definitely, of course, the masculinity piece, but it's the the fear of being weak, the fear of being labeled being gay, um, the fear of people not understanding you, people thinking that you're broken, you know. So there's just a lot of stuff, and it's a lot of times the same thing that women will say. You know, this is the reason why I didn't disclose that I was raped as a, at, at at a young age too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think um, I had a. Um, I had a, a, a professor one day um, and um, we were gonna use um, characters from um, uh, for color girls to do a case conceptualization on. And so I had the color yellow and I think she was the one who got raped. And so my professor said, you know, I think that would be a good experience for you to conceptualize her in a way to see, you know, what it's like to, you know, for a woman to be raped. And I said, well, I mean, I think there's an assumption that as a man that I haven't been raped mm-hmm. and I haven't been violated. And, you know, and, and thankfully I haven't. But again, you know, I do know what it's like to uh, have uh, intrusive, you know, people be intrusive. People try to violate your space. All that stuff is shared experiences. But, you know, um, my rape as a man is going to be different from, you know, a rape of, of, of a woman. Mm-hmm. And so, and I, and there's a lot of, like you said, Lynn, with a lot of stigma that I have to live with just as she would, but we're going to definitely experience it differently. And so um, I, and I just want to say this real quick. Um, when we talk about stigma, I had, I uh, was looking for participants for my dissertation study. Right. And as I was looking for uh, participants, there was a, um, I went to a church function. Right. And so I got up there and I talked about, you know, my research and why it's so important. And I could just feel the tension and everybody was so uncomfortable in the room. Now, mind you, I'm sure there have been plenty males, females who have experienced it, whatever. But because I was in the church, because we were black and because there's so much stigma around it. And and I didn't and it wasn't like I wanted people to say, oh, yes, that happened to me. But I could just feel in that moment just how tense it was. And I said, you know what? Y'all not ready. Y'all not ready for it. They're not ready for it. And and maybe as a young scholar, I should have approached it differently. You know, I'm just trying to look for 15 people for my research so I can get the heck up out of Howard. You know, no shame. <laughs> no, no shame to Howard. I was ready to go. You know, but, I mean, again, you know, it's just all that is to me. Like again, you know, stuck with that stigma, and you know, it's just it's just sad. But I will say, because there's podcasts like this. 
because there's more attention being brought. Um, I do think that I, I feel that the that stigma is slowly decreasing to where more men are saying, you know, hey, you know what? That did I'm Matthew McConaughey just wrote a book. He talked about his history of being sexually assaulted. Um, Little Wayne had talked, I think he was on Jimmy Kimmel. He was talking about his first sexual experience. And you know, Jimmy's like, Yeah, man, you were like 12 or 13. And she was like 20, you know, you were a stud, blah, blah, blah. And he said, I didn't want that. Mm. I didn't want that at that age. And so if it was the roles were reversed, and little Wayne or was little Willamita and was 13 and talking about a 20-something-year-old man who did that, we wouldn't even look at that the same. Mm-hmm. It would be lock that man up. Well, why not say lock that woman up? Right. Mm-hmm. She was just as wrong and violating that young boy's innocence the same way. Yeah, I- I'm going to say that. I'm gonna, I want to add this. I've noticed that in our culture, especially in our the Black culture, you know, especially in the Southern states, you know, when things like this happen, it's, most times it's a family member. And they always say, shh, shh, shh yeah, don't yeah. tell. You know, you sweep it under the rug. Don't, don't, don't talk about it. You know, don't worry about it. You'll be okay. We'll just keep uncle so-and-so away from you or yeah. we'll keep this one away from you. And then now as men, we grow up, yeah. right? Yeah. We get married. And now this, this, this secret that we've yeah. been holding yeah. for so many years is now starting to impact our relationship with our women and with our children. Yeah. Yeah. What do women do? to help their mate get through this? Like what kind of support, what, I'm, and I'm speaking as if, if I was a woman, like yeah. how could I help my man? You know, what, yeah. what can a woman do to help her man who has went through this type of trauma as a child, but never talked about it, but it's still it's impacting them now? What do they do? What do women do? So great question. And I think uh, having a supportive system is, is key for, for men to, I mean, that research says that, you know, the more support you have, with any, any type of trauma, the, the better your outcomes are. So I, I, I think being supportive definitely is great. One of the things that I would, I would encourage women to do is one is to meet their mate where they're at. You know, don't have these expectations uh, where, you know, just jump right into counseling. He may not be ready for counseling. Mm-hmm. You know, go talk to somebody. He may not be ready for that. You know, so the fact that he's acknowledged that, yeah, this has happened to me, you know, ask questions. Well, just like you said, Gary, well, what do you need from me right now? Well, right now I need for you just to, just to listen and just be with me. Okay. So what, what, okay. So I do that. So then from, from there, what's going to be your next step? How can I help you make a plan, you know, um, to kind of help you get the help you need. And then when they're in therapy, don't ask them, well, what did you talk about? You know, how are your feelings? Again, let the individual, let the, I don't want to call them the victim, but let the survivor, let the survivor um, kind of lead the way. Now, if you've seen they're doing destructive things, mm-hmm. they're sleeping with multiple women and not caring, you know, they're having like this emotionless sex, there, there's other trauma symptoms that you see, then take more of a, a um, engaged type, participatory uh, type of actions, right? To say, hey, you know what? I know, I know right now you're struggling. I pulled five different therapists that are in our area. Just think about it, you know? Um, there's different groups, you know, there's a, a group, I, I worked with a group for my dissertation and it's all about men that live in New York who have experienced sexual assault, you know, and, and, and what that's like for them. And so, you know, um, so there's all different types of resources. Um, maybe even say, Hey, 
why don't I just walk with you or drive with you to um, to your therapy session just that you know I'm here in the car just to be supportive. So there's just a lot of things, a support system. But again, number one, I would definitely meet them where they're at to ask questions. And three, if you see uh, more of a reckless behavior, then start to provide resources that um, you can find. So Dr. Wolford, that leads me to this question. Yeah. Um, could you identify someone who, who, yeah. who may have been- the signs, what, yeah. What are, what are some of the signs that we, we could look for? Because I'll be honest, right? So, you, so I don't recall, remember, of growing up that I was assaulted or anything like that. Mm -hmm. However, I have had moments in my life and my youth of just like promiscuous, reckless yeah. sexual behavior. Does that mean that maybe something happened to me or I'm just being me or my, it's just my behavior? So how can we identify someone who may have had some type of sexual trauma? So a lot of it is, um, so not everybody's going to, uh, again, not everybody's going to experience trauma symptoms the same, right? Mm -hmm. so, um, um, so I will say some of those uh, symptoms that we see in men um, are, you know, some men being overly promiscuous, right, um, at an early age, because there, you know, a lot of exposure around that. Um, you have some people who may shy away from sex. That may be something too, you know, just having a, a discomfort from that. Uh, you may have people who um, may not even want to talk about the topic of sex. Um, you have people who um, may have different um, trauma symptoms like um, stomach pain, like the physical part of it, right? Um, and, and like you may have people like, like what Gary said, some people may just block it out and you may not even see those symptoms. It may come out at the, the, the most random times. And so, um, so to answer your question, I don't think there's a cookie cutter way to see those symptoms, mm -hmm. but we also know that <clears throat> Performance anxiety, when we're when we're talking about sex, could be another symptom too. So, um, so I, again, I would encourage people if if there's a sign that you feel like you know what this individual may be struggling with something, it's best just to ask the question, you know, and not say, well, have you been sexually assaulted before? No, just say, well, what? Well, I'm noticing these symptoms, or I'm noticing these behaviors. You know, kind of better explain to me where they're coming from. You know, and, and I would encourage people to have a professional do the work to see to see that. You know, if I had a client who came up to me and said, I don't know why, you know, I'm just running through these women with no emotion. You know, it could be a lot of things, but it could be somebody who's experienced sexual assault. Let me, uh, so, you know what? This is what brings me to this. There's going to be a man listening to this podcast and he's it's going to trigger that you know, he may have been sexually assaulted. He's married, he has children, mm -hmm. and he wants to now have this conversation. What can we say to him to make him, you know, to go ahead and, you know, what? how do you develop that conversation to have with your, your wife or your, your significant other that say, hey, I was sexually assaulted? Is there a way, is there a, a, a way to, to, you know, have that conversation with your mate? Yeah, I don't think there's any perfect way. Um, I would hope, I would hope your, your mate or your partner who you're with is somebody who you trust. Cause that's another thing that I tell people, um, in this process, if you know, you have a brother or sister, mother, father, who, you know, may not be able to handle this type of 
conversation until you feel more comfortable with the consequences or the outcome, you know, you may want to wait on that, right? Um, and if, if you have a wife or, you know, a girlfriend or a partner or whatever, who, um, who you really want to, um, to let them know kind of your experience, I think it would be a good way just to, to prep, prep them and say, you know what, there's an experience that I, I, I really want to share with you. You know, um, uh, I, I hope that you, you listen. You know, I'm not trying to shock you or anything like that, but this is something that I'm struggling with and I'm going to need your support in this area. And then tell them, you know, um, uh, that experience. Now, I've had people who have said that has worked for them and their partner was so supportive and, you know, has been very supportive. I have people who, you know, partners are not not ready for that conversation. And, um, and you know, again, everybody's going to react differently. But just how, Gary, you told us, you know, your experience and the type of feedback that we gave you, you know, encouraging you, saying that was so strong of you, your survivor, hopefully their partner will do the same. And if there is a, if, if there's an, is there a number yeah. or a website or something that, that someone can reach out that's listening to this podcast, they can reach mm-hmm. out to maybe get some help that you can share with us? So uh, uh, a good um, a good website, and I just pulled it up. It's called um, Sonder S O N D E R Mind M O N M I N D. So that's Sonder S O N D E R M I N D dot com, and they it's a great way to match um, your your symptoms or your needs with therapists in your area. Um, there's also different. Um, family um, resources that um, are in every city um, that you can reach out to. Um, one thing you'll find though, for men, there's not a lot of support out there for men around sexual assault. You'll find support for women and you'll find support for children, but specifically catered to men, you won't find a lot of research. So a lot of times, you know, it's good to have individual work, um, individual therapy work. And then there's some groups that are, I mean, there's, I've, I've worked with different groups that are both male and females. And so if you feel comfortable, you know, talking with women uh, and men uh, together in groups, that'll work. Some people say that I just want to talk to men in groups. That works too. Um, but there, there may be a lot of research that you're going to do, but just continue to fight through. Um, like I said, and um, um, I also know that there's, if you're having any suicidal uh, ideation around this. Um, definitely there's a 1-800-SUICIDE hotline um, and that can be connect you to anybody or as worst case scenario, like I say, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard for me to say this, but it does work. You know, I always call the police and just say, hey, you know, I'm having these suicidal thoughts um, or the hospital, the local hospital, and they can direct you to. So when you're coming out with your book, man, let's get to that part, man. I mean, not a lot of information out there. You did a dissertation on it. I mean, when, you, when is your book coming out, man? You know, one of the things that I'm working on in 2021, 2022 is to be more intentional about the work. And what I mean by that is that um, to really do more podcasts, uh, to try to be on a bigger scale, not for myself, because I don't want the fame or glory or anything like that, but the narrative of individuals has to be told. And so um, there was a, um, there's a, 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 a actor, and I cannot remember his name, that I saw that I really wanted to reach out to and talk to him about, you know, maybe doing some partnerships, but it's definitely something that needs to be done. And so actually, I don't know if y'all realize this, but when y'all asked me to do the topic, 
you know, it just made me, it made me really feel bad at first. Cause I'm like, man, I need to be doing more work in this area because this is my specialty. Right. Mm-hmm. And even if it's just reaching out to the two of uh, the three of us and, you know, and, and seeing that and normalizing, really normalizing that this can happen to anybody. Yes. Um, um, I think that that's the most important thing. And so I think y'all don't realize that y'all help me out more than <laughs> probably I help out the group because I mean, again, I do see like my work is very much needed in this area to continue to push through. So, no doubt. Yeah. And and uh, just just two things. Just just one. Um, uh, Vince definitely. Oh, I'm sorry, Dr. Walford. Yeah, <laughs> we are bros here. <laughs> Doctor Walford, Walford, there you go. Thank you. I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry about that, Doctor Walford. Uh, <laughs> thank you, thank you for for coming on on the, on the podcast, man. This is a very taboo subject within you know the black and brown communities, um, especially for men. Mm. It's something that it's just it just is not talked about, right. and that it, it the work. There's so much work that needs to be done in this area, man. Mm-hmm. And um, we are in good hands, man, because we have soldiers like you who are passionate, that. who are passionate about it, who um, who uh, have the the necessary empathy. I think yeah. I think that there's a lack of empathy sometimes, yeah. even when we look at some of our celebrities who have who have been victimized or who have victimized others. Mm-hmm. It has kind of become almost like a little comical. It's yeah. humorous to talk yeah. about um, R. Kelly now. It's humorous yeah, to talk about is. Michael Jackson. Yeah, you know, and and so it that that is just further um, dismissing it. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's, it's further dismissing mm-hmm. it. That is not an issue, but yeah. it, it is a true issue. So I wanted to yeah. definitely thank you. The other thing I want to say is to Gary, to G, yo man, it took so much heart. Yeah, to do that, bro. I, I knew you and I talk about it, but to, to put it out there for public consumption, man, yeah. and how many people you, you're going to help, man, with mm-hmm. that. Just you as a person and your influence that you have, man. That was amazing, man. It took so much courage, man. And you continue to be the leader of the group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Continue to be the leader I, of the I, group. I, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I struggle with it. Um, um, up until the, you know, the last 15 minutes, um, I called my, do- I called my daughters and I wanted to make sure that I had told them already, mm-hmm. you know, what had happened to me because I didn't want them the first time they hear about it is on this podcast. With everybody else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the worst thing. I was like, you know, did, did I tell you about this? And he was like, yeah, dad, you told, did I tell you? Yeah, dad, you did tell us about it. You know, and of course my mom re- remembers. And, you know, and my dad, you know, so, mm-hmm. um, so my immediate family, you know, uh, knew about it. And I, I struggled. And as I was talking about it, I kind of got emotional about it because you think about it, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm eight years old, man. Like, yo, that's not right. You know, it wasn't mm-hmm. right, you know, and I trusted this guy and this guy, I mean, we trusted this guy, you know, when I tell you, you know, in our, in our hood where we grew up at Manhattanville Projects, we were a close knit, you know, yeah. community. You couldn't do something mm-hmm. in my neighborhood without somebody knowing who my mother was, you know, right. or they would tell your mother. And so when you lived on the floor, we had, our, you know, we lived in the projects and it was four apartments and, and uh, this guy was, well, and, anyway. And, and here's the, and here's, here is, here's the, um, the truth about it. If we were to describe him, 
everyone who grew up with us at that time would know exactly who that person was yeah, and they would not believe it. Of course not. Of course yeah. not. And, that, and, 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 you know, and in my research, um, out of the 15 individuals, all 15 said my perpetrator was somebody that was close to my family, yeah. who I knew, who was a, a relative, who was a mentor, you know, who was all those different type of things. And so, you know, and even the priming of people. I remember um, Eddie Long down in Atlanta, you know, when those, those in the, I mean, he primed these boys up until they got of legal age and then assaulted them or maybe not assaulted them because I don't think they considered it assault, but then had that relationship. But the assault started back in the mental, the, the, the mental piece of it. You know, let me buy you something. Let me take care of you. You know, then you owe me. You know, that's all, that's manipulation. That's part of- That's, that's grooming. You know, that's grooming. Yeah, that's is. part of the grooming piece. Because I don't think we talked about it enough back in the day. I think like me as, a, as, a, as, a, as an adult and a parent, I talk to my daughters about it now. Like if you feel uncomfortable, somebody touch uh-huh. you, it could be a hand on your back and it feels uncomfortable to you and whatever, say something about it. Yeah. Say something, tell me about it. Because I think back then, although my mom was very active in talking to her, it, when it was when it when it was happening, you like, huh? Is this yeah. really happening? And yeah. you know it's not right. Mm-hmm. And I thank God that my dad came home, you know, at that moment, because you just don't know where that could have went. You know what I'm saying? You just don't know you know, where that could have went. And I remember years later, it, I didn't tell my dad about this. I didn't tell my mom about, you know, my mom reminded me, and then we had a conversation with my dad. Years later, I'm a grown man, broke at the phone company, out of school. And I told my dad, and he was like, why you didn't tell me? I'd have threw him out the window. My dad, you know, he was still mad. My yeah, father was yeah. mad years and years and years. It happened when I was eight, I think. Me and my dad first finally had the conversation maybe when I was 25, 26. And he was still mad, like, why yeah. you didn't tell me, you know? Yeah. But, but anyway, man, it's, it, <laughs> Doctor, you just don't know, man, how uh, how happy we'd have you on the show. I appreciate it. I'd love Thank to come you. back, you know. Yeah, we're going to have you back. back. I'm sure there's going to be some follow-up questions. Yeah. But I want to, you need to go ahead and write your book, man. Yeah, appreciate it. You need it. to go ahead and write so your book. So if folks wanted to send you just some questions yes. or, yeah. reach out, or contact you, how could they reach out to you? Yeah, they definitely just email me. It would be better. And that's just my first name. Vincent, V-I-N-C-E-N-T, my last name, W-A-L-F-O-R-D, no spaces, just Vincent Walford at gmail.com. Okay. And, I heard it all, Dr. Vincent Walford at <laughs> gmail.com. And we also- I want emails going to him talking about, we waiting for that book. All right, <laughs> understandable, understandable. <laughs> so this is our show for the night. Thank you, you so know, much. I'm G. And I'm Jazz. And this is G talking all that jazz, and we're out. Peace.